0: Hi everyone, thank you for joining us in the first episode of tech Away in 2021. In this series, you'll hear topical discussions among tech experts across various domains at the Government Technology Agency of Singapore, or GovTech in short. So I'm Justice, and for this episode, we'll be talking about blockchain for the next 30 minutes. And we'll be talking with these two blockchain experts whom I worked with while I was an intern in GovTech. So I'll let them introduce themselves.
1: Hi, I'm uh, Rayjie, or oh, you know, many people call me RJ because it's uh, easier, shorter. Right, and um, I've been at Garf Tech for coming to four years now. I've been working with Steven since then. And uh, what do I do at Garf Tech? I am a software developer, Really, I, I just call myself software developer. There's a bunch of stuff that I do, but that, that, that's my uh, designation, software engineer. Uh, I'm on this team that deals with strange and wonderful cryptography stuff. Uh, It's called, we call ourselves a DLT, Distributed Ledger Technology Team. It's this team that uh, Stephen started when uh, we started dabbling with these things. So what do we do on this team? Mm, Blockchain stuff.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Stephen. Yeah, so we are a team of engineers, designers in GDS, government digital services in GovTech, And we develop uh, digital services. That is used by citizens as well as businesses. Uh, apart from developing digital services, we also uh, focus a lot more on uh, cutting-edge technology, like something like blockchain, as one of them. Um, and you may have heard of uh, some of our products that we develop using blockchain technology, such as Open TradeTrust Trade Trust, uh, and recently Health as well. Um, yeah, so so far so good. Everything has been great, so if you're interested to join us, please let us know.
0: So To break the ice with the audience, how about RJ, let me, let's, uh, what's an interesting fact about yourself that you'd like to share?
2: Interesting fact about myself,
1: I'm 162cm short. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's not very interesting. I have a cute dog. Ooh. Is that interesting enough?
0: Yeah, so, so RJ is a cute dog. Um, I, I, I went to his uh, house to visit his, to play with his dog once, and uh, yeah, he's quite friendly. I think RJ brings the dog for a walk daily.
1: Yeah, I yes. mean it's what you have to do with a dog. I, I have a cute dog. I used to have a cat. I used to. And then she ran away with my mom.
0: Oh <laughs> that's tough. That's tough. <laughs> How about Steven?
2: Oh. Um quite a few things. So maybe I can talk about uh one of my hobbies, I like to exercise quite a bit. Especially past one year, um since the COVID started. Uh you know, then most of the time we work from home, then I I, I realised hey, you know, I can usually use the time to exercise. So I exercise like five to six times a week. Uh, And uh, I've been working on my handstand push-up. I still need a wall, just in case, you know, because, yeah. Dangerous, yeah. So I I do need a wall to lean on. Yeah, so pretty good. I can do about maybe 10 plus handstand push-up.
1: It's about as many normal push-ups as I can do. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Uh, Apart from that, uh, I also like to uh, jog. So I jog every week. And then uh, these days, I'm trying one, uh, one arm pull up. It's very difficult. Yeah, but just started. Uh,
0: so if you're planning to get some exercise tips, can you can get them from Stephen. <laughs> Shall we begin with the main topic? So can you explain like, can you explain blockchain in a, in a layman's terms? So like, well, how would you explain blockchain to someone who's a non-tech person?
1: I think I think one thing I used to say was that um, you can think of like a blockchain as this this massive, uh, giant stone in the sky where you inscribe stuff. Right, you just like carve words into it. Once you carve it in, you it's very hard to erase without like, yeah, you just can't do it. Let's, let's just assume you can't erase like things that you put on stone, right? Yeah, that's that's essentially what it is. So over time, you know, you accumulate more and more stuff on this stone and uh, everyone can see it. Yeah, that, that's the long and short of how to explain it, I guess.
2: So there's the block, I guess? Yeah. yeah.
1: So... <laughs> <laughs> that's the block. And you just chain to make sure nobody takes it away. <laughs> what blockchain does is um, it gives you complete Transparency, but it also gives you this um, ordering of transactions. Right? That, that that's, that's, that's really the idea behind it. It's it's a distributed ledger, like our name, distributed ledger technology. Right? It's a distributed ledger that anyone can access, and um, anyone can write to it. Right? You just need to spend a little bit of the associated uh, currency. Like for Bitcoin, you spend Bitcoin. For Ethereum, you spend ETH. Right? So that's that, um, blockchain is not a magic bullet, it's not something that you use to secure your IT systems, it's not firewall, it's not, it's not, it's not encryption, blockchain is definitely not encryption, it's a, also another common misunderstanding, blockchain is cryptography, but blockchain is not encryption, right? um, blockchain is not anonymous. People think that blockchain is anonymous, but blockchain is actually pseudonymous. So every transaction comes from a known wallet, like an address, right? You can think of it as usernames, that it's public. And uh, everything that comes up from this username, everyone can know because it's completely public and transparent, right? Um, It doesn't help you with confidentiality. And uh, yeah, so it, it actually, blockchain is not a lot of things, yeah. so what what is blockchain? Uh, do you want to cover a bit about that?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, like I think I, I mentioned about it's, it's really like a time machine uh, or a ledger uh, and because of the fact that um, every block is is the word chain or connected uh, through transitive hashing to the next block then in order to tamper with any of the block you need to change the block um, Previous block, which makes it kind of computationally almost impossible to tamper with. Um, So it's really like a time machine. That's why I I use the word time machine as an analogy. And that's really a very very niche niche. That's why I say it's very niche use of blockchain. And like what RJ said, it's not a firewall that can block off uh, intruders. Neither does it uh, chain your IT system. So yeah, it's it's really a very niche use case for it.
1: So earlier I said that blockchain is not encryption. So blockchain uses this uh, cryptography technique called uh, hashing. Right? What hashing does, you can think of it as when you mix two colours together, like when, you, when you do painting or colouring, right? you mix two colours together, what happens?
0: They become a new colour.
1: You get a new colour. But from this new colour, can you tell what came before that? It's very You can't, you can't unmix the colours. It's very hard. In mathematical terms, we say it's a one-to-one. Uh, it's a one way function right? so you can't, you can't uh, unmix it so w- we, a lot of blockchain stuff is based on this hashing function which means that when you have a yes. new color you can reproduce this new color if you know the previous colors uh, what does this mean this means that the new color necessarily has to come after the previous colors right? and, and that establishes a causality Right, and that, that's the what, what the block in blockchains mean. Subsequent blocks have to be caused by the previous blocks. So that gives you an ordering of transactions. So you know that this data definitely came after this data. So for example, uh, I pay Steven first and then Steven pays you. You know that the balance changes from this transaction first and then from to that transaction. So that, that gives you a sense of, you know, roughly, you, how to explain blockchain yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: And, and and the fact that because it's distributed uh, unlike uh, uh, you depend on a central trusted source like for example the banks uh that makes it computationally hard to to change the order yeah but that's the, the beauty of blockchain i
0: see oh. so um are there any like challenges like for the uptake of this um this technology like do you foresee any maybe major challenges that we need to overcome? Before this becomes mainstream, it's
1: it's it's the case with like new technologies always like uh, getting adoption is hard because it's number one nobody knows about it right and when nobody knows about it how do you even put together a team you can't you can't put together a team when you have nobody who knows about it right so and then there's the part with of uh, being in government it's it's the case that you know government is not in the business of uh, making risky bets uh, government is not a venture capital, right? it's, it's, we, we, we have to be a bit more conservative so like when you adopt new technology no one putting together a team is hard, um, you have to find suitable use cases because it has to be profitable, maybe maybe profitable is the wrong word, it has to at least bring some benefits, right? not in terms of money but maybe in t- terms of man hours save or reducing friction, um, improving the state of things like we we can't just like throw money away just you know to play with new technologies that's just not that's not a thing we can do right so you have to convince people that you know a project is worthy you have to put together a team you can't just like snap your fingers and say oh this is a good use case i would like to get 20 headcounts to work on this that doesn't work (laughs) it's probably going to take like at least three months you know just to sort out like writing everything up correctly. So that's, that's a newer technology adoption. Then there's the part where you need to build up your team. I mean, even when you hire like senior developers, when it comes to new technology, they don't come with the skill set necessary to work in this space because it's just quite esoteric, right? So, I mean, we've come up some ways. Uh, Open source is about two years plus old now. Um, When I started, I didn't know anything about blockchain. That was two years ago. (laughs) Right? And I mean, if you ask me if doing anything was very possible at all, I mean, it would have been probably a no, because I just didn't have any skills in this, right? And then okay, now I know something about blockchain. Now I need to hire people who know about blockchain or at least hire people who can learn about blockchain. And that, that all takes time, right? So now we've got a Steady team, that's why we managed to do a health search in, what, three months, less than. Most of it was sorting out non-tech stuff.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, so, yeah, I mean, when it comes to new technology, there's, there's no like, you just can't make projects magically appear, it, it takes time.
2: I think the, the the biggest challenge is really the, like what RJ said, because it's new, people don't have a good mental model of what is it. Um, I mean, for engineers, I mean, yeah, they can they can pick it up if you they know what is cryptography and you know what is a uh, transitive ha- hashing and and whatnot. Uh, but for the non-tech folks, uh, it's a lot harder for them to understand because it's a pretty strange, weird, uh, esoteric, uh, very different mental model of of how to do how to track data or make sure it's demo proof. People start to be uh, a lot more skeptical. About the technology when you say people like you know, stakeholders and all that uh, and it starts with harder for people to tell what is the uh to separate the wheat from the chaff la. yeah so that's, that's that's difficult and we are very very fortunate uh, that um, we have got strong support from the senior leadership uh, that they requested us to take a look at this technology uh, so yeah we're we really, really really fortunate and at the same time, there was not uh, a lot of pressure for us to like, um, just deliver something just for the sake of doing. And yeah, because sometimes I see uh, other companies or, you know, wherever entities, uh, they, they just want to jump on the this bandwagon of the hype, right? And then just want to do something on blockchain just for the sake of it, even though the use case is very, very weak and doesn't really make a lot of sense. Uh, so I'm very fortunate. Then we can actually really pick and choose uh, the appropriate use case. Uh, like I said, this technology is new and nascent and very, it fits a very niche uh, um, use case. So it's, it's not a really general purpose tool that you can use it to apply for a lot of other things. And um, that's why if I, to, if I were to look at what is out there, uh, in terms of the use case of blockchain, most of it uh, doesn't really need a blockchain. Really yeah apart from that um, one of the challenge another challenge of uh, using this technology is because of the misalignment of interest. A lot of time the data provider or in this case a health cert issuer or education cert issuer they will have to incur the work right uh, of issuing it with this new technology uh, and the benefit is being written by the downstream people who need to verify uh. So there's a bit of a misalignment of uh, interest as well um, that makes the adoption a lot a lot harder uh, but fortunately thanks to this uh you know COVID, you know say that don't miss a good crisis um, then there's a lot more impetus because uh, so on a burning platform people are a lot more bold to to adopt this technology because they, they do see the the benefit of it
0: yeah that sounds that sounds about right so what are the common use cases that you have for blockchain what are the
2: common
1: use cases crypto kitties crypto kitties (laughs) yes so um yeah what steven says crypto kitties there was a quite fun project that came i think about one or two years ago uh called crypto kitties right what what are crypto kitties it's like pokemon right it's pokemon on the blockchain yeah Uh, you can like breed pokemon and then take these and continue, it's collectibles, right? It's it's like collectible trading cards. Mm. And the way it works is that people own these tokens, non-fungible tokens uh, on the blockchain. And it's just a fun thing. Uh, it, it doesn't really have to be like of any real use, but like the fact that this thing happened, developed a lot of uh, technology, right? That wasn't there before. So just that often happens in, uh, in the tech sector. Like something just starts off as a toy. It's a a game. It's something for people to play with. And then eventually, you know, people in the business will realize, hey, that's really similar to my use case. (laughs) So that's actually what happened. So we looked at CryptoKitties and we thought, hey, that's really similar to shipping, where you have like ownership of cargo. So you own Pokemon, so now you own containers of goods instead. Not all that
2: different. Yeah. and and the thing is uh, maybe i elaborate a bit of non-fungible so um, it's like how do you make sure that uh, this item you own is 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 not is exclusive to you it just belongs to you uh, because in the physical space when you have uh, you know something that is unique like a art piece and, and all that uh, um, it's a lot harder, you still can replicate it, but it's just a lot, a lot harder. Oh, hard piece. But then in the di- digital realm, it's in bits and bytes, right? one and zeros, right? And it's just, you know, everybody can copy and paste and, and you know, duplicate that. Uh, so this technique of uh, creating non-fungible tokens uh, allow you to create something that's unique uh, in the digital realm. And this is why uh, we talk about CryptoKitties. And that's why, uh, because of this basis of uh, exclusiveness, it creates some economic value, uh, or because it's limited edition, for example. And that actually lends itself well to trade trust, uh, because you do not want to devalue your bill of letting <laughs> by duplicating it and splitting it across many people, right? Yeah, so that's a good use case.
1: Yeah, so that was uh, one of the use cases that may is maybe a bit better known, like, you know, owning things. So so some examples of things that uh, blockchains have been used for as well, but maybe a bit less well-known, is uh, things like decentralized autonomous organizations. uh, You can think of it as like a decentralized decision-making method, which means that people don't need to be represented by other people. They can have a direct uh, effect on the outcome So the way this works is because when things are on the blockchain, it's completely public and viewable, and when you can inspect the code publicly, you know exactly what it does, so you can trust something that's on the blockchain, because you know exactly what it will do. So when it comes to these things, you you trust that when you make a vote in something, it will necessarily affect the outcome in certain ways. yeah, that's uh, decentralized, autonomized organizations. So another thing that uh, blockchain has been used for is uh, transparent funding al- allocation. So there's this uh, project called Gitcoin. Um, it basically seeks to fund software projects, like open source software projects that uh, anyone can use. But you know, because it's open source, people tend to use open source software without paying for it because you know you can simply because it's all public access. So, but then you know, software developers need to eat too, right? <laughs> <laughs> Already? Yes, maybe you don't. <laughs> <call it. laughs> That's not
2: just coffee. <laughs> okay, but coffee still costs money. It still
1: costs money. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you can't buy coffee like, for free. Right? So, you know, when you have um, something like Gitcoin, people know that because the code is viewable, transparent and all, when you donate, or you put some money into this uh, organizations, this fund, you know how it will be allocated, right? It can be allocated based on something called like quadratic funding, for example, which is what Gitcoin uses. That's a topic for another day. But, you know, it's transparent. That's the whole point of it. Like, you put money in, you know where it will go. Unlike, you know, sometimes you donate to charities and you're like, uh, what do they use the money for? Mm, not sure I agree with that. Wait, how much do they pay their people again? Mm. So you know when you have things like Bitcoin, it's all transparent. Anyone can see where all the money goes, right? So that's a good use case. Mm. What other things? Censor- censorship resistance. So because uh, blockchain is decentralized, you can have. It's very hard to censor. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. Some people, you have people on both sides of the fence, right? So. Yeah, so when you put something on a blockchain, it's very easy to transfer it without it being blocked because you can verify what is in it. Whereas with traditional um, internet mediums, I mean, you, sure you can use like a public key infrastructure, but in the first place, you need to know who you can trust, right? So that's that. And maybe I can touch on one last thing is that um, domain names that don't require a central authority. So. Actually DNS is like, domain name system, it's, it's one of the technologies that is really decentralized relatively compared to um, most other technologies. But even then it's still reliant on uh, the ICANN, right? I forgot what ICANN stands for, but it's, it's this central body that administers like the domain name systems. But with um, blockchain, there's actually this thing called the uh, Ethereum name service and this does not re- rely on a central body. I mean, the smart contracts, you can look at them and see what they do. Mm-hmm.
2: What, what, what do you think about uh, election? Use, use blockchain for, for election. Yeah. <laughs> very, very spicy, like, don't trouble me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I've, been, I've been thinking about it for quite a while. You know, technology is ready here. It can be done, but uh, I think it's going to be a very hard, uh, hard sell to convince people how it works. And in the end of introducing technology just to, for sake of it, uh, it may it may create a lot of uh, distrust, right?
1: Yeah, so actually I've talked about this a lot with my colleague Raymond, right? He's my partner in uh, DLT. Partner in crime. In crime? <laughs> in crime and in good. <laughs> right? So, yes, you can achieve a better technological outcome yeah. with uh, blockchain and cryptography, but in the end voting is about the will of the people mm-hmm. and it needs to be something that people understand. It's, it's very easy to understand how voting works right now. Yeah, that. Even, e- even if you can't read, you can understand what voting is. Yeah, Whereas if you try to introduce like complicated technological solutions, then like you said, distrust happens.
2: Yeah, exactly. it will backfire. Yeah. Hmm. So, hmm. so yeah, that, I mean, te- this technology is fascinating. Because it's nascent, it's new. Uh, there's uh, a lot of uh, greenfield uh, opportunities to to apply. It. Uh, but again, um, have to use it judiciously. Uh, for whatever reason, like it may not be the best use uh, with regards to that problem on hand, and sometimes it also may not be the right time as well. Bit uh, because of social acceptance. Uh, yeah. So that, yeah but again this space is evolving very very fast. Uh, do you remember that time when we were um we, we basically when we use ethereum we have to incur the gas fee right right to, and then with the uh, at that time I think the price the price was quite manageable but I think these days it's crazy high right ridiculously high and we managed to figure out a, a, a better way to write um using um, we call it DID VC yeah so uh, this, is, this is, again, an uh, example of how fast the landscape, this technology is, is moving. And we are always... Uh, that's the fun part, I think, about technology. It's always learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And people are always trying to solve problems. Like, if... The fun part about open source is that you know, you know that you're not the only one trying to solve the problem. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so blockchain sounds interesting. It sounds specialized. Well, how do I become a blockchain developer?
1: It's a, both easy and difficult to answer a question. In terms of, like... Hard skills. It's a hard question to answer because it's it's such a new field, right? I don't think there's necessarily a very well defined syllabus of what you need to learn to become a blockchain developer. But I think what is definitely needed in terms of skills is that you need to be able to uh, understand new things quickly. There's a lot of reading involved, yes, because things are changing every day. You always have to keep up with what's changed since yesterday even all right so yeah you have to be passionate about the technology as well because it, it's it's a difficult thing to use because everything is like public and transparent that that really limits what you can do like you can't just put everything on the blockchain yeah number one that will cost you billions of dollars right <laughs> number two that will cause a huge privacy issue right because everything is visible so yeah how to become a blockchain developer just passion and curiosity and
2: uh, yeah, I, I mean in fact we should ask you instead because since you joined us as an intern uh, uh, I mean I'm not sure about you uh, before you joined us do you have any blockchain experience
0: <laughs> yeah so funny story so um, actually when I when I when I first heard about blockchain it was when I was preparing for the interview uh, with RJ <laughs> over here yeah so um like, I knew I was going to join the DLT team, and then I was like, oh, what is DLT, right? So a quick Google will tell you that it's distributed ledger tech. So I was like, what's that? Then I realized that, oh, wait, it's blockchain. Yeah. So I think um, my first encounter with blockchain was really uh, when I was preparing for the interview. So I went to read up uh, and watch some YouTube videos on like, uh, what basically blockchain was and how it worked. Yeah. And I think um, before the interview... Like, RJ also sent some uh, materials on, like, how to code in Solidity. I think there was this uh, very fun tutorial website uh, called Crypto Zombies. It's something like Kitties, but they teach you how to code it. Yeah. So uh, I sort of tried it out, and I realized that, like, oh, that's something that I find, uh, I find quite interesting and quite enjoyable to do. So I decided to carry on to go for this interview with RJ. So during the interview, I think, like, RJ sort of asked me a few technical questions. Yeah. He also sort of explained that, like, Actually, to join the DLT team, you don't really need to be a blockchain expert, yeah, per se. But um, all you have to do is to, to be curious and to be willing to learn. Uh, in fact, like there are other roles as well that, uh, that I can fill up besides the smart contract developer role. So perhaps like, you can do some back-end or you can do uh, front-end development. Uh, you just need to understand the technology, how it works and its limitations. So I thought uh, the team was quite welcoming and so I decided to join and on the job. So I think like the past uh, six months that I've inter- interned with the team. Uh, it was quite enjoyable, and so I decided that like uh, in my schooling, like while well, I'm schooling now, I decided to take a mod in blockchain to sort of uh, pick up all where I left off uh, after the intern ended. Yeah,
1: Justice did a really good job. Like coming from not knowing blockchain, so uh, by the end of it, he was definitely an expert at blockchain in just a short six months, mm. right? And actually. Not even, if if you're not a software developer, you can still like participate in this technology. Like for example, we have other roles on the team such as a UX designer, right? And a product owner, right? So these people, they don't code. They're, they're not software engineers. I mean, maybe they do in their free time, but probably not, <laughs> right? So like, it's the same like when you're a designer for a normal software project, you, you don't need to understand exactly how a database works inside, you just need to know what it can do, how do you design like user interfaces around that, workflows around that, you know, you don't need to know, it's, it's, you can think of it the same way, it doesn't, you don't need to understand how the database works, you don't need to understand intimately how the blockchain works. I mean, it's good to have somebody on the team who knows it, right, because then he can explain to the rest like what the limitations are, what you can do with it, and keep up with all the latest things, you know, but you don't have to be a programmer necessarily.
2: Yeah, the most important thing is to have an open and curious mind. Yeah, as, yeah. So, over uh, over here, we often share articles and reading materials, and, and we also write prep blogs as well. I think that's that's helpful to crystallize our thoughts.
0: Yeah, so you can check out you can check out Steven's um, blog, okay. <laughs> JDS on uh, JDS GovTech right on Medium. That's why I read some of his articles. I find them quite interesting as well.
2: And we're always hiring, so feel free to join us.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Tech Away. If you enjoyed it, do remember to like and share this podcast with your like-minded friends and stay tuned for the next episode. In the meantime, stay in touch with us by following us on our social media channel, including LinkedIn and Instagram, or subscribing to our newsletter on the website tech.gov.sg. You may visit all our digital channels at go.gov.sg slash govtech Take care until next time.